uh, so we're going to switch uh, topics a little bit, and we're going to be talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I want to talk about, we covered this a little bit briefly when we covered God. We just kind of did an overview and we talked about the Trinity, but but I want to, and then when we went and talked about the Father and we talked about Christ, we kind of went into some of those things in a little bit more detail. So, uh, we know a lot less about the Holy Spirit, don't we? Right? I mean, we have character and we have, I mean, Jesus we know a lot about. And of course, God, a lot of people assume is just the Father, which is not really accurate, but... Uh, we assume we know a lot more about the Father. The Holy Spirit is kind of vague, isn't he? Uh, so I want to read John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And Jesus says this exact same thing. Uh, David, you want to read John 3, 5 and 6? Sure. Oh, okay. Jesus answered. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Okay. And he goes on in this text. Remember, Nicodemus is having difficulty understanding this. And Jesus says, you don't know, he compares it to the wind, which the word spirit is the word for wind. He's like, well, it's like normal wind. And you, you, you don't know where it comes from. He, he says it's a very, you know, the idea of the Holy Spirit is going to be vague. Like, it, for your minds. Not for God. The Holy Spirit's not vague. Our minds don't have the capability. Why? What's in this word? What does this tell us? It's in his name. He's the what? He's a spirit. He's not flesh. Our minds are structured to handle tangible truths. Every once in a while, we can kind of get an abstract idea. Like we have <coughs> concepts of, you know, we talked about abstract nouns in school. So freedom is an abstract idea. Like these things are abstract. And we can kind of get ideas of them, but you know, different people's concepts are different ones because they're abstract. And he says the, the spirit himself is, is abstract for our minds. So uh, he's not tangible the way we want it to be tangible. So uh, we think about our spirit. Do you know what your spirit is? Right? We all have one, right? We, we trust we have one. Do you know what it is? Do you know where it is? Do you know what it looks like? No, I don't even know mine. How in the world am I going to know something I'm not even intrinsically connected to? It's vague. So that's his, his, uh, 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 a part of his title. I uh, want to look at um, now a different, what, what's the other part of his title? So he's spirit, what else? Holy. He's holy. <coughs> well, what does that mean? What does holy mean? What's that? Set apart. Higher. Distinct. It's on a high level. So he's abstract, but on a much higher level. 
He's set apart from me, for, from what my mind can contain. So we're going to have to do with what descriptions the Bible gives us, and that's all we can do. Uh, so I want to look at Romans, a couple of verses in Romans. Michelle, you want to uh, read Romans 8, verse 16. Okay, so this kind of goes back to the last idea, right? It connects to our spirit. So, so there's this uh, a similarity of whatever they are, whatever a spirit is, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. They, this is getting into his actions. We're going to talk more about his work later. And if you want a chapter in the Bible to talk about the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 is the one. I covers a lot of what the Holy Spirit does and is. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be in and out of Romans 8 throughout this section. Uh, not much today, but so, so he's connected to us in a way, by, by way of existence. Why does that make sense? Why does it make sense that our spirit is at least similar on a lower level from the Holy Spirit? Created in His image. Okay, so I'm created in God's image. The Holy Spirit, being God, is one of the things that has made me, and I'm made like Him. I have this substance, not, not tangible, not physical like I think of it, but I have this Entity inside of me that is like the Holy Spirit. It's in his image. It's not the same exact. Because he's distinct and he's holy. He's up there. Holy doesn't merely mean sinless. That's true also. But it, it just means apart. And all that it implies. So uh, I want to go to Romans. And Don, would you read Romans chapter 1 verse 4? No? Oh, you can't. Okay. Becky. Becky, okay. Becky, can you read Romans 1 4? You were waiting for that. And who through the spirit of holiness has declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so this is, and again, Paul writes in long sentences. So, so if we're going to take full context, we will be here all day. Um, but the, the idea is, is, again, is called the spirit of holiness. Now, holiness is such a uh, is such a part of, like, that's how we describe him. I remember, who remembers some of the names from Michael Jordan? Remember what they used to call him? A basketball fan. No basketball fans. What's that? They called him Air Jordan. Or remember his airness? Mm. <laughs> there was this, this idea. It was an optical illusion that he could jump and stay in the air longer <laughs> than other people. It was like kind of a trick. But, but people just had this idea that, that he could stay in the air somehow longer. Than that. So he got a, a nickname that, was, that, that described that. Right. And, and on a much higher level, obviously. 
the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of holiness. His, his holiness. That's the title that you give to who? Holiness. A king. Your holiness. Your worship. People say that to kings because they used to think that kings were gods. It was, it was something reserved for something much higher. And so the Holy Spirit has this distinct description in his title. Uh, of the three, it's really the only one that comes out that way. Jesus is, I mean, Christ, if we spoke Hebrew or Greek, whatever, Messiah, we would get that. But he's usually referred to as Jesus. That, that doesn't, that's okay, that's the same name as Joshua, and it means Yeshua. Like, okay. And God is, is also a title. It means I am, basically, Jehovah. It, that's kind of a, it, that's big, but, but the Holy Spirit is really easy. It's right there, as far as the name is concerned. Not easy to understand, but, but the description is there, what he wants us to identify him as. So I want to look for evidence of his deity. Uh, and this is important because... Of the three, this is one that a lot of people have had issues with. I mean, some, there, you know, Jehovah's Witness have an issue with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Uh, most religions will not have an issue with Jesus' deity. But often you will find, well, I don't know about often, but you will see the Holy Spirit treated lower. Uh, how many know the song, Father, We Adore You, right? There are people that do not like that song because we come down to the third one and it's spirit. We adore you, we bow down. It's, it, people don't like that idea. There, there are some people that do not like that idea. I don't know that we're supposed to bow down to the spirit. Like, his name is a royal name. Your holiness. He has a royal name. We, we don't necessarily think of it that way. He is the spirit of holiness. So I want to look at his deity. Um, okay, you want to read Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. We're going to look at three of these. There's more. but I, Yes? I think maybe one of the reasons for that is we hear God talking to people. We hear Jesus talking to people, but we never read anywhere about the Holy Spirit talking. Okay. And maybe that's Hold one that of the why we Hold that don't thought. assign like a Yes, I, I agree. The others are very identifiable in character to us. And that goes to the vague idea. So, okay. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, so the, the first thing we look at is that Christ when he's teaching, I, some people, I, I hate the phrase baptismal formula. I hate, I hate applying the word formula to Christianity in any way. Um, but if we're going to use that phrase, he's a part of it. Whatever this is, if you can come up with a better word, the, the authority under which you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit is included in that. 
with the Father and with the Son. So obviously here it implies that Jesus is co-equal and so is the Holy Spirit. They are all a part of the same thing. You'll never see the Father, Jesus, and angels. Like, that, that's not, you know, the, the Bible doesn't delve into that or Bible, Jesus, you know, it doesn't, or it doesn't say, or Father, Jesus, and the apostles, and Mary. <laughs> like, the Bible doesn't do that. doesn't. So, um, next one, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. And Juanetta, could you read that? First Peter 1, 1 and 2. If I didn't put my firsts and seconds backwards. Oh. Okay. First Peter 1. God's strange to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, and Galatia, who have been chosen to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work work of the Spirit, Spirit or obedience to Okay, so let's let's look at what, what what overall thing would you say that is being described here? Okay, so 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 in general, all of these things that he's that that's with reference to the Holy Spirit. But they're all three there. They're all three there. Yeah. And they're all doing something connected to just what we saw in Matthew, our salvation. They're all connected. And what does the Holy Spirit do? You said it at once. Sanctifying. Sanctifying. And what does that word mean? Set apart or holy. He makes us holy. It's in his name. He's the one that (coughs) made me spirit. It's connected to him and his identity. And he's the one that makes me holy. Because that's in his name. That's his identity. That's what he does. So... Um, I, I like I like this one as well. This is one of uh, another one of three that I really first look at. And the last one, Paul, could you read Second uh, Corinthians thirteen and verse four? Second Corinthians thirteen and verse four. Is that 2 Corinthians 13? Yeah. Okay. Did I write it wrong? This is highly probable. Well, God's power, isn't that the Spirit? Well, it would be, uh, if I was putting it here, it would be a little bit more obvious. Yes, but... Um, I'm always careful of that statement because that's what people reduce the Holy Spirit to is is an inanimate force. It's God's force, you know. And that's not accurate. And we're going to see that. That's why I thought you picked that. No, no. I mean, that's true, but he's a a living force. About chapter 11, 
Uh, first Corinthians? No, or, second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. Try that one. that I typically make. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, I'll just read that. It says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, speaking of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So, so it's not with reference to salvation. Right? That's, that's already a thing in their lives. But, but the continued blessings uh, of Christianity are bestowed through all three of them. They, they all have continued works. And we're going to look at more at works uh, um, next week, but this, this at least illustrates that they are all active. They are all doing. Uh, and so that then brings us to the idea uh, he's not just deity, but he's conscious. Right? So I want to look at evidence of his consciousness. And not just—he's not just a uh, a vague force, somewhere moving, and 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 a lot of people look at it like that. That and you'll hear that type of language, whether it's intended or not. A lot of among like Pentecostal, oh the spirit, and and it's it's vague. We know it's vague, but it's misguided vague. Uh, if if you understand what I'm saying. So I want to look at, why. first of all, why is it important uh, to consider that, as we just said, is he's not an inanimate thing. Uh, the mere identity of a spirit, what does my spirit do? I have a spirit. What does it make me do? What does your spirit do? Without regards to Christianity. You have one when you're born. What does it do? What's that? Okay. You do things? Kind of like your conscience. It helps you. Okay. Your, your conscience? Like even, yeah, little kids, apart from Christianity, you have a conscience? Yeah. What else? I almost think like our sentience, like our ability yeah. to understand the things around us. And yeah. I mean, animals don't quite have that capability. They have limited capabilities of, right. of learning and understanding, but we are on a yeah, it's, it's the self-awareness. Your your spirit, your spirit makes you living. Right? Even even Genesis says that God breathed into man a spirit, and he became a living soul. Your spirit is what makes you alive. Other than that, you're just a pile of dirt on the ground. It, it, it's the spirit that animates you. We would say it animates you. It, it 
it brings you to life. It, it, it's your motives. It, it's why, it's why we, we, I did a sermon here a little while ago. It's why identical twins can have completely dif- different characters. But why? There, there's something that's not genetic. There's something that's not learned. There's something beyond that. So, the same thing with then the spirit. We should expect that if I'm alive because I've been given a spirit. I just have one. He is one. So, so on a much higher level then, just like he's on a higher level in holiness, he's on a higher level in life. I don't even know how you can do that, but he is. He is the definition of life. Someday we'll find out, I suppose. Or maybe we won't. Maybe he'll still be too high for our brains when I'm there. I always, I always find that interesting. People go, oh, we'll know everything when we're heaven. I'm like, eh. <laughs> I think God's still going to be a mystery to us. I think God is just so far above. And maybe I'll know more, but I think God's just always going to be a mystery. So um, let's talk about some of his living attributes then. Um, David, you want to read John 14 and verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Okay. What's the word advocate? Helper. Okay, it's a helper. Comfort. Comfort. Some people call it comfort. What? Go between. Go between. Counselor? Someone will make sure that you have everything that you need. Okay. So this is actually a legal word. A a paraclete. Way, way long time ago in Rome, uh, the way it worked was uh, a paraclete, they were the first people that would, they were actually speakers first. And and you would go before a, a judge and common people didn't know the law much like now. And so you would hire an orator because orators often learn to speak from the law. And so they actually knew the law fairly well. And so you might hire someone to basically state your case better than you could. Right? So, so they're kind of the early lawyers or early attorneys, we'll say it like that. They were helpers, if you think of it like that, or a counselor, but we call them, we still call them legal counsel. Right? Like all these, these phrases are still a part of it. Now I want you to think of that idea that that's you know when when he talks about sending a paraclete sending someone who is going to be able to speak better than them in terms of uh, who's going to inspire them with the message because he's like please don't write your own sermons for at least until i have you a bible until then don't come up with it yourself you'll mess it up so i'm going to send somebody who can speak on your behalf and and give you who understands this information. Well, all those things require what? What basic quality do all those things require? Communication. Communication. Representation. Representation. What's underneath all of those? Knowledge. Knowledge. An intellect. It requires an intellect. So, so this is an identifier of, of what you, I like what you, the phrase you use, it's sentience. 
that is above animalistic movement and instinct. It's, it's a comprehension and a depth of it which we can't, we can't fathom. So, uh, he's not merely a force, right? This is why we are like Nicodemus so often. We find this vague. We can't, we, this just eludes our brain. Um, so, so the mere mention of this, this individual as a spirit, and, and looking at some of these other titles now that come in, it suggests intellect. Uh, let's look at another one. Um, I'm going to jump over here, Mark. You're going to let this one. <laughs> Mark, why don't you read Acts chapter 13 and verse 2? I'm picking on Mark now. Acts 13, 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Isn't that interesting? I don't know how many times I read that, and I'm like, you just kind of breeze over it because you're used to these texts. And we're so used to hearing these, we don't look, see the details sometimes. The Holy Spirit speaks. Which is... What we just talked about as, as a paraclete, that's what his function is. He said, listen, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. And we, we kind of think of that as a metaphorical sense. But here, I don't know how he did it. I don't know what the form was. I don't know if it was in a dream. I don't know if they just heard something. But here, it, it says, the Holy Spirit spoke and told him, this is, what else is he doing in here, by the way? So he's speaking, that's an easy one. What, is, what is else does he do? Tell him what to do. Tell him what to do. He's got an idea. <laughs> like, I have a plan. This is, this is who I want to carry it out for me. This is who I have called yeah. to carry out. Yeah. That's so they would kind of go back into that reference of calling and, and things like that. There's, when you start reading about the Holy Spirit, you start to see exactly how interactive he is. Uh, so, he speaks. He makes, uh, as the, the writer of the book said, he makes vocational decisions. <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's, you know, think of a manager. Like, okay, this is a person on my team that would be good at this, and this is I'm going to assign them this task. Right? Those are, this is comprehension of things. Knowing who will be good for it. Knowing, you know, who's suited for. for this talent or this comprehension. All gets back to comprehension, but, but here, uh, specifically speaking. A couple more. Um, Cassie, you want to read uh, Ephesians 4, 30. I'm going to jump to the back row there. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. What's significant here? It's got emotions. And emotions are a living quality. I had uh, two Jehovah's Witnesses come in. They, I don't know how they weren't trained, because they study. They have a notebook. They come into your house with a notebook. 
And maybe it's because they were in Ukraine. It didn't have the full course yet. I don't know what the deal was, but it was a pretty large organized <coughs> congregation over in our town. And, uh, and they come in and they said, well, if the Holy Spirit was living, he would have emotions. He just went right here. And they didn't know what to do with that. They changed the subject pretty quick. It's, so I, I was just reading down a little bit further into that one back in Acts. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it talks about Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. confronting Hellenists. And, you know, we, we always look at, like, possession right. by spirits. And whenever you look at a spirit like Legion, right. he was able to talk through that person. Yeah. You know, he had more there whatever right, you want yeah. to call that, it, that's a good point. thoughts and emotions and fears and things like that. But whenever you read this, it almost feels like Paul is not possessed by the Holy Spirit, calls him filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But the way he talks is not necessarily something that Paul would have to continue <clears throat> on his own. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because it feels like this is the Holy Spirit speaking right. directly through Paul, just yeah. like other spirits would speak through people right. they were it could be yeah yeah so. and, and and they were very clear when they spoke like listen Paul I know you know who are you <laughs> well, like, they, just, they knew things yeah I know Jesus uh, I'm not sure who you are <laughs> uh, you know they knew Jesus and they like Jesus the other one came you know have you come to torment us before the time they were aware of stuff and this guy this poor guy wasn't he was out of his mind but the demons did. They understood a lot of stuff. So that's interesting. It's a good, good observation. So there's uh, this passage in Ephesians has an emotional response. It also has approval. Right? It also has a, a recognition. The Holy Spirit is also approving. Uh, you, you can, or disapproval. I mean, don't, don't do this. You will grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is obviously an ideal that the Holy Spirit has. Again, we get back to that intellectual thing and, and, and the way his response to it now, not just voicing it, but, but his emotional response to it. Uh, last one before we're, we're done a little early. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Andy, if you want to um, read that. Acts 5, 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that you're, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Okay. Um, there's a, a reference that I'm missing. I was thinking it was in the same one, but I apparently failed to write it down. But what, what is, so I want to look at two things that... Uh, that identify the Holy Spirit as living through his, like, passive. Passively, he's identified. In other words, what can you do to the Holy Spirit that can only be done to something living? What was done to him here? Lie to. You can't lie to a rock. It's not living. I mean, you can say something that's not true to a rock, but you haven't lied to it. It has no ability to receive false information. It has no intellect to process false information. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go down to the last verse of that paragraph.
paragraph, you not lied to men, but to God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. You have not lied to men, but to God. Yeah. You get the. You get the. You get that. You double back onto that. That reference. That's a good one because that doesn't even include Christ. It just. It's just a comparison of the Holy Spirit to God. Um, Apart from that. Apart from that need to be connected through Jesus. So yeah. Uh, and then there's one I didn't have the reference for, but we talk about the the unpart. What is the unpardonable sin? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Oh, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What does that make it? God. And these are the two points that we start with. He's he's living, really, and he's deity. Those are the two points we want to we want to drive home today. You can only blaspheme at God. You can't blaspheme an important person. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. In fact, Jesus specifically said that. He said, "Listen, you, you do something, son of man, you can be forgiven. Don't mess with the Holy Spirit." Uh, and and there's explanations for that, and I don't know if those explanations are right, but uh, but pretty serious stuff that you're playing with however that explanation works um, so so you can only blaspheme deity it's it's it, it's pretty clear cut any thoughts before we close all right good observations good thoughts thank you